Welcome to the Splinters Podcast from the team on the bench. Community Radio's leading no-holds-barred Friday night sports show. Available online and replayed on Triple H 100.1 FM. Now, here's your host, the Raging Bull, Anthony Caruso. Good evening and welcome to Splinters, the bench podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming live on the web at triplehfm.com.au and available through iTunes, Google Play, Spotify at podcast.com.au and all good podcast outlets. Of course, we do this all for the action attraction of the North Shore Magpies Waitara and the all about caring Sydney Bears. This is the Godfather, Anthony Caruso, and well... It has always been an exciting time of the year as we get ready for another season of football uh, right across Europe. Uh, For all of the Europhiles right around the world, you have come to the place where you can get your main previews right here. Joining me, of course, he is our true doyen of football right across Europe. He's the Italian stallion, Dom Rizzuto. Good evening, and I know as you come in, you're already geared up for tonight. I am. I am, Caruso. It's great to be here to discuss all things football with you once again. This time, the European edition, we're, we're, we're trotting along, we've gotten on the train, and we're going through the beautiful uh, countryside of Europe to talk all things big, big European clubs. I'm wearing my uh, my beloved uh, Roma training jersey, which I purchased earlier this year. What do you think of the new Roma jersey? Because I'm a little bit fascinated by it. Audacious, once again. But you know what? It's one of these things in. We're probably a little biased from both Italians. But no matter how bad an Italian jersey looks, it still looks good. Well, I don't know how to say that about the current Juventus jersey. To be Ooh, that's honest. true. What's the green one that they've made out of mesh? Is that what it is? What have they done? No, no, no. no the black and white. Spraying half with the pink line right in the middle. Mm, yeah. It's like this is typical Adidas trying to be clever when it doesn't need to be clever. <laughs> so, no, exactly. One right. of the old days, the good old Kappa jerseys. Yeah, exactly right. Look, I don't think Roma's is. Here we are, Italians, talking about you know, jerseys. Exactly. Well, I don't know if Roma's is great this season. I think the white one really stands out, obviously, with the big lightning bolt down the middle. That looks awesome. Which kind of looks cool and stands out. And I hope it looks. I want to get one of those for my beloved CC Strikers. Can you imagine that with the yellow bolt? Yeah, that's true, time? actually, yeah. That would, look, that would be cool, actually. Yeah. That would be cool. But, but we're not here to talk about jerseys. <laughs> we're going to talk about football. <laughs> we can talk about the great jerseys of, the, of all time. But we're not. We're going to talk football. We're going to talk about the, the worst one of all time, which is the Manchester City. The, um, the one that this year, the one they've released this year. Yeah, the, the, the one that... I, I can't death. even describe, describe it. It looks like someone's vomited. It looks like someone's had a um, had a. It's going to give you a seizure. Yeah, you know what it is. It looks. Yeah, it looks like someone's taken a a, a very uh, wonderful trip, as some might say. <laughs> <laughs> some might say. We're going to avoid the Netherlands at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get into some football. Yeah, later. absolutely. This is, we are going to be talking about the um, two parts. First off, we're going to do our tour of Europe. We're going to get on the train. We're going to go all the way through. We're going to talk about the four main competitions. We are talking the La Liga League. Uh, the Serie A and the Bundesliga. We'll talk about the, the main teams, the main competitors, who's in trouble, uh, and also go through some of the transfers that could or have happened. The second part is a very important part because a lot of people have uh, come to us and really asked, you know, what is this FFP that people keep talking about? Of course, the UEFA financial fair play. Yeah, it's uh, it's a system put in place to uh, stop uh, clubs overspending uh, in the transfer market. 
and to, well, also to avoid a lot of clubs going into liquidation. There's obviously been some big stories, big clubs who have had their time where they've spent too much money on players and, and staff members and eventually not made enough money back and have then had to go pretty much into residency. Uh, you know, you've had Leeds to have it happen to them. You've had Bournemouth, sorry, Portsmouth happen, happen to them. Bolton's another one that's on the downcline. You know, there's plenty of... The clubs, uh, in Tur- the clubs in Turkey at the moment as well. A lot of European clubs as well, which you don't really hear about too much because obviously living here, you don't hear it as much, but there's been some clubs that have obviously gone into uh, remission as well. So going forward, it's going to be a very interesting topic. And, you know, and they're starting to crank down on it a lot more as well uh, since they really started to sort of implement it back in 2016, 2015. That is... Coming up for you tonight, this is Splinters, the bench podcast on triplehfm.com.au and available through iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and podcast.com.au. Of course, we're doing this for the action attraction of the North Shore, Magpies Waitara, and the all about caring Sydney Bears. Well, let's get straight into it, and we're going to let's get on that train right now. We're going to start off in um, Spain, La Liga. Now, over the last couple of years, we've seen this really become a three-corner contest. It's been Real Madrid, Atletico Madrid, and Barcelona. So let's go through and start off with Real Madrid. The first thing to obviously talk about there, Zinedine Zidane, of course, back at the helm. And it's like he never left. Never left. And uh, Real Madrid's a very interesting club this year. La Liga in general is very interesting this year. After a very long time, a lot of people always whinging about the Premier League spending more money than the La Liga anywhere else in the world on players. La Liga has actually spent more money than anyone else. Mm, so you know, there's some interesting and could still spend more. Let's let's not stop there. Has let's get to Real Madrid though. It's almost like the Real Madrid of old, isn't it? They've gone into the transfer market and they've gone big. It's been a long time since we've seen a Real Madrid side pick and buy the entire planet of football. But they've done it. They've bought in star players. They've bought in Eden Hazard. They've bought in Luka Jovic from Eitrich Frankfurt. they bought in Ada Militao, one of the best right-backs in the world at the moment. they bought in Rodrigo, another striker who they can count upon. they bought in... In uh, his name, the uh, Mendy. They brought in Mendy from Lyon, the, the left-back. They've got some quality players that they've brought in. And they're just... They are, the stars that they brought in are simply amazing, and they're going to be they're going to be so fun to watch this season. I can't wait. Now, there's there's two things obviously to talk about here with with Real Madrid, and the first one is that they sold Mateo Kovacic to Chelsea. Is a bit of a a bit of a swap that they've done with um, to pick up Eden Hazard, uh, but the talk has been around what the hell is going on. With Gareth Bale, yes, yeah. Look, we we you had heard me uh, speak about it uh, uh, last week uh, with Gareth Bale. You know, his transfer blocked of you know not going to China. He was pretty much packed his bags. Was in a Dean's didn't want him, and then all of a sudden they went. You know what? No, you're not leaving. You stay here. Well, what's, what's the point of that? I don't get it. Well, it's just it's spite. It's, it's really spite. it is really spite. But that's what you get from La Liga clubs. They're spiteful. And you will talk about that. There's there's even more spitefulness later down in these transfers that have happened. Let's let's go to the next club, Atletico Madrid. Um, this is going to be a crucial year for them because now we've seen some of the big name players that Diego Simeone has had over the last few years have left. Now we're going to see whether he can, whether he is worth his weight as a coach. He's picked up Felipe from Porto. He's picked up Kieran Trippier from Tottenham Hotspurs. But listen to who he's, um, who they've sold out. 
Antoine Griezmann has gone to Barcelona. Lucas Hernandez has gone to Bayern Munich. And Rodri to Manchester City. Yeah, they've had some big outs. Griezmann obviously a big one for them. Yeah, and that, we still don't know what's going to happen with that, so obviously, by the time, I'm sure they'll have a resolution by the time we get around to uh, the start of the season, hopefully, with these uh, with that transfer, but a massive out. He's been their talisman for a very, very long time, but they bring in a very young wonder kid, Jao Felix, on a lot of money, and he's already shown some very promising signs at the start of the season. In particular, they're friendly uh, only a few, uh, a while back, between Madrid, both Madrid clubs, and it was, I think, what, 7-1? 7-1. They pulled it. It was almost a repeat of Germany beating Brazil in the World Cup. It was 5-0 by half time. So, the, Diego Simeone is one of the great man managers, and he knows how to get his team fired up. They will run and run forever. And I expect this team to be much the same. Barcelona, they're going to look to try and continue their very – it's a very gradual renewal that they go through, but it seems to work for them that, that they have one player drop off, one player drop on. It, it's just a very slow transition that, that you see from them. Uh, this year, they've picked up two big names. They've picked up, as we mentioned, Antoine Griezmann from Atletico Madrid, one to watch out for for those who haven't been paying attention that much in Europe, Frankie de Jong, from Ajax. Yeah, obviously he was the big mover from Ajax. He was the first one of the sort of star players to lead the the Dutch champions. He'll be he'll hopefully be that cog that they've missed for the last few seasons. It's a very traditional move, isn't it, from Ajax to Barcelona? Because the relationship between those two clubs has been very friendly over the years. Yeah, no, it's, it, and it's uh, and I expect it to get even stronger. Big signing for them. He'll be great in that midfield. But here's the. Here's the renewal that has occurred. Kevin Prince Botang has returned to Sassuolo from his loan at Bas- at Barcelona. Andre Gomez off to Everton. Yeah, completes uh, the permanent move after his loan this season. And Thomas Vermeulen, a long-time stalwart at Barcelona, he's left to go to Vissel Kobe in Japan on a free transfer. He is on the wrong side of 34. He's been a wonderful ambassador for them, the big Belgian, but um, it is yeah. his time well, is up. He's made a majority of a name for himself at uh, Arsenal, obviously. Went over to Barcelona, never managed to stay fit to secure a permanent position in that starting side at the back. And he would have worked well on that side because he loves to pass the ball. He was, a, he was more, of a, more of a kind of... He suited that tiki-taka system very well, um, but never really managed to keep fit. And again, yeah, he's uh, he's gone off really just to see off his career and get a bit of a payday. Can anyone bridge the gap? Maybe Valencia, maybe Sevilla, but from what I've seen, it's pick pick it out of the three. Yeah, look, I don't don't see it this year, uh, especially with some of the signings that that have been made by Real Madrid and Atletico Madrid have really raised their game this season in the transfer market. Barcelona will always be a threat. Any team with Lionel Messi is, especially now they have Antoine Griezmann in that team as well. And, you know, who knows who else they might bring back. But can they appreciate gap? Look, again, Valencia and Sevilla will always be a challenge for those teams. Can they win the league? I doubt it. I highly doubt it. Do you have a pick of those three or is it pick a name out of a hat at this stage? Oh, it's very tough. Look, you have to go to Barcelona right now just purely because the team hasn't changed all that much, whereas Real Madrid have had to bring in a load of different quality players, young guys as well. It'd be interesting to see what player actually gets a run in that Galactico side. You expect Eden Hazard to come back and obviously 
run straight into the team. How he then, you know, fills the role of Ronaldo, which they still haven't replaced. Uh, you know, what happens to Gareth Bale? Does that hang a shoulder? You know, does that hang a sh- shadow over Zidane during the start of the season? So, and Antwer- you know, Atletico Madrid will, will definitely push those sides, and they could definitely be up there come the start of the season, but they need everyone firing, and they need everyone fit to really challenge Barcelona. From there, we head off to France for Ligue 1. Um, unfortunately, in this competition, all the talk has been around what's been going on at PSG. Now, for, for, for them this year, they've picked up Ander Herrera from Manchester United on a free. Yes. And Marcin Bulka from Chelsea. Yeah. And then, of course, Idris Agana Gay as well from Everton, who will fill into that midfield slot alongside well, most likely Ander Herrera and Marco Verratti come start of the season. So um, they have released um, Gianluigi Buffon, who has returned to Juventus, which is a curious signing. Uh, Danny Alves has been released as well. Yeah, look, we all love Buffon. Um, he'll go back to Juventus. He'll act as an advisor. He'll come in, maybe play a few cup games uh, for the Bianca Neri. Uh, but he never really did well at PSG. He made a couple of crucial errors, and actually in particular he – couple of crucial Champions League errors as well, which kind of let PSG down in the end, and despite his class and at the age of 40, let's just remember that, he's still one of the best. But, yeah, go back to Juventus and, you know, the, you know, somewhat of a disappointing spell. But the talk is around the effect of the FFP, which we'll come to a little bit later on. UEFA is, is hinted that they need to sell at least maybe two of their big four. Who do we mean by the big four? We are talking Neymar, Edison Cavani, Angel Di Maria, and Kilian Mbappe. Yeah, look, you know, Di Maria probably does form somewhat of a big four, but you're really talking about those big three, Neymar, Cavani, and Mbappe. The big question is is whether or not uh, they can keep Neymar and Mbappe happy in those, ego, in those egos, you know, fighting against each other. Uh, you know, Julian Jaxler came out uh, a few day, a while back saying, you know, that it's it's difficult to play in a team because of those egos. Yeah. So you need someone in there who's going to be able to control them. When they're on the field, no doubt about it, and they're playing well, they they, could, they form the most dangerous front three in, in the world, especially Neymar and Pape. They're just lightning quick and so skillful. And you've got a finisher in Cavani just to stand there and wait for the service. They're so dangerous, but they've got to keep them on the field at the same time. And they've got to keep them happy as well. Now, it's hard to see anyone really coming close to PSG. Now, Lyon, Lille and Stade Etenay, has been have been active, but there've been no transfers that you would call a genuine game changer, apart from maybe Tim Way, who's joined Lille from PSG, and really it's it's a race in Liga about um, who's going to finish second. Yeah, absolutely, it's the same every year. Unfortunately, the French league is a uh, not as competitive as it once was. Paris Saint Germain have just so much money, and they just their team is just so so strong from from the best player to the worst player. Let's talk about a competition that really has been on the improve for the last few years, and it's the Serie A. Now, everyone will go on about the domination of Juventus that won eight straight Scudetti. Yep. Uh, but it has to be said that they, they are, in a way, dragging the, the rest of the competition up with them to try and match them. Let's start off at Juventus, the champions. Sarri has come on board as a replacement for Massimo Allegri. Uh, Juventus are working aggressively to continue the domination of Serie A. There's a question within itself. Where does Allegri go? He's now a free agent as a coach. Yeah, really odd uh, sort of move from Juventus, I thought, you know. 
I think that obviously the plan was is they wanted to move Allegri on so they could bring in Mourinho or Pep Guardiola. Obviously, it didn't happen, so then they ended up bringing in Sari. So really, it's I think a spot for swap. Like they won the Serie A. Look, they they should have done a lot better in the Champions League. They bottled it against Ajax, um, and Allegri, you know, he again couldn't win in the Champions League. So he's the one who's gone. That's what they really want right now. They want that cover in the Champions League, especially with Ronaldo at the helm as well. Now he'll be wanting that. So they want him to stay. He'll be wanting to bring in who he thinks is going to win the Champions League. They picked up Aaron Ramsey from Arsenal on a free transfer. This, for mine, has got to be one of the the transfers of the summer. Absolutely, what a move for Aaron Ramsey! If he can stay fit for this team, he'll be so good for Juventus. I don't know how Juventus managed to do it. How they pick up such quality players on such low fees? I'm not too sure how they do it, but it's a great signing for them another player who will add excellent depth to that already talented midfield Luca Pellegrini from Roma for 22 million euros and you're not entirely happy about no, that no not really uh, he's been doing really well at Roma um, he's, an, he's a young Italian player young international now sort of found his way into the starting lineup in, in the Italian national team another another talent jumping away from Roma to Juventus which is very disappointing to see that we you know that players have absolutely no backbone and have to go join toxic Let's talk about one of the big transfers. Juventus signing young Matthias De Lee from Ajax for 75 million euros. Yeah, I think this is a really good signing, not just for Juventus, but for Matthias Lid himself. Um, he's gone to a club that have, you know, harboured some of the greatest defenders the world has ever seen. Um, so much better than going to Barcelona where they don't even know how to defend. If you actually attack Barcelona, you can easily beat them, as we saw Liverpool do all, uh, earlier this year. A big signing for Juventus. You know, he, he'll form, you know, a great partnership and get to learn from some of the very best uh, in Barzagli. Well, he's obviously retired now, but Leonardo Bonucci and Giorgio Chiellini. You know, he'll have Buffon behind him sometimes as well, which is just great. He's play, he gets to play with stars. He's going he's gonna to be an absolute... Magician for Juventus, and not just that, he'll he'll attract other great new young defenders to go and play Juventus as well. It's more than just what he'll do on the field; he's going to offer. Now, here's an interesting question for you: with Gonzalo Higuain returning to the Bianconeri from his loan period at Chelsea, what do they do with the big Argentine? Well, look, he's a he's a, a favourite of Muchasari's, and he has been when he was at Napoli. He comes back into this squad, and you know, there's one thing Juventus do lack: it is a solid number nine. A guy stand up. Mario Manducic is a solid option. He's never really had his chance at Juventus. Um, it's actually originally sitting in behind Higuain, but not too sure how they'll how he'll fit in. You know, they've got a really talented striker in their max in their ranks as well, in Mosse Keane, who could easily become one of the best players in the world if he's got guys like Ronaldo providing some service for him. Let's have a little bit of fun with this one because one of the, the more humorous moments of the summer <laughs> season has been the announcement that Juventus have signed an exclusive three-year deal. Well, it's the but biggest... But it's not the, what you think. Well, it's the biggest signing of the of the summer, isn't it, really? It is. Konami. Uh, if those of you who don't know, Konami is a video game company and they're known for producing uh, great games. Uh, one in particular is... Pro Evolution Soccer. Now, they are the direct competitors to EA Sports FIFA. Um, and for a long time, they've obviously been the laughing stock of the football gaming world because they didn't have the rights to any of the teams. So you'd often get uh, Manchester United called North England Devils, which obviously is a bit strange. These days now, of course, they're forced by FIFA to show all players and names. Yes, they do, get, they do get player names now, Pez, and they do have some teams. 
This year, however, they've really stepped it up in the in the video game market and have signed Juventus permanently on a three-year deal, exclusive naming rights, exclusive badge rights, exclusive stadium rights. Exclusive access. Exclusive access, meaning that in FIFA, you'll have just one team, which will be Juventus, known as, I think, was it the Piemonte Calcio? Is that what it's called? Piemonte Calcio. Yeah. <laughs> and they have to use... It's going badge. so far. They have to use fake names, fake fake badge, fake stadium, fake. Um, I didn't think they have to do fake names. They do have to do fake. So names. Ronaldo can't be named. No, 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 there's no Cristiano Ronaldo. There's some guy named Christian Ronald there. I thought it was they were allowed to do the player name. No, that's no. crazy. They're, so they've signed this guy Christian Ronald into their lineup. Christian Ronald. And now they've got this they've, this new signing they've picked up. Apparently, uh, Matthew Delight. Matthew is, Delight join their <laughs> lineup. So, Delight. <laughs> um, and then of course they've got um, uh, Gigi Buffet. Gigi Buffet, um, who's, who's come in. This is Pablo uh, Pablo Diabolical. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Unbelievable. This is it's massive. It's massive, and it comes a year after Ronaldo was the. Was the main man for FIFA as well. So in, incredible scenes. This is going to be your eye hilarious. Keep your eye on this. Oh, boy. Inter Milan have been very aggressive in the transfer market, especially with the news that Antonio Conte has become their manager. Yep. Uh, they've picked up Diego Godin from Atletico Madrid, Stefano Sensi from Sassuolo, and Valentino Lazzaro from Hertha Berlin. Yeah, all good players. Obviously, the big one there being Diego Godin. He's been He's a classic uh, Defender has done an amazing job at Atletico Madrid. I was I was surprised to see him not stay for another year there, but obviously I think Atletico making the most of the the sale while they could. Um, the, the Inter will get a, a a couple of good years out of him, especially under Conte. He'll be a real astute sign. And the rumor going around at the moment, of course, the question about whether Romelu Lukaku could end up at Inter Milan. Yeah, I don't know. Like they've got. It's a shame that Icardi can't. Mario Icardi can't. Just get the fans on his side because he's a quality striker. So yeah, I don't know if Lukaku. I've said it before. I don't know if Lukaku is the answer. Let's go to let's go to your beloved Roma. Uh, they've been on the rise and the rise over the last couple of years until last year. Until yes. last year. Um, now they'll want to improve this year, and they've gone hard to a certain extent. They've picked up Leonardo Spinazzola from Juventus. They've picked up Amador Diawara from Napoli and Paolo Lopez from Real Betis. But of course, as we mentioned um, before, they sold Pellegrini to Juventus for 22 million euros. Interesting signs. I think Spinazzola is a, is a good pickup and I'm very curious about Paolo Lopez. Yeah, Paolo Lopez is a, is a keeper um, and again was a one of the big losses Roma had last season was the fact they couldn't replace Alison Becker, who obviously went over to the and won a Champions League in his first season there. Spinoza will be uh, a great right back for for Roma, who, who arguably missed a right back for a very long time, having to play Florenzi there for a very long time. And he's not he, he can play right back, but he's not an out and out right back. Um, it'll be interesting to see. I'm, I'm quite excited to see Amadou Diawara. He's been a really good uh, young midfielder for a very long time from Napoli, and he hasn't really had his chance. So he's got his opportunity at, uh, at Roma. Roma have a very young team with a lot of young, talented players. They're starting to sort of come of age now, so you'd expect uh, them to use that um, those players. But the big news, obviously, for Roma this year is that they have obviously changed coaches. So during the year, they had um, uh, you know, Subio. What was his name? Subio. Oh, God, his name is Scapey. Um, 
They had a. They've now got Sergio Paulov on Sika. Paulov on that on has come in uh, after Claudio Ranieri sort of guided them toward the end of the season. Um, Paulo Fonesca had obviously coached at, uh, I believe it was USCK Moscow previously, the Portuguese, uh, uh, former Portuguese player. So he'll be, be interesting to see where he goes. And where they're going with it, really, because early in the season, Toddy came out, said they, were, they offered Conte the role. He said he'd take it. And then the directors, the board turned around, the owners went, no, we don't want Conte. Why? I don't know. It, we'll see. It'll uh, it'll be a. If there's anyone who's under pressure, it's uh, Roma. It's the uh, the owners and their decision making at the moment. All eyes though will be on whether Napoli can close in on Juventus, um, which they've threatened to do for the last Subia three Juventus, years. That's his name. Uh, but and there's a big but on this. They're not. They haven't been quite there yet, even though they've had the leadership of Carlo Ancelotti for the last few seasons. This year. Though they've signed Costum, Costas Manolas from Roma. Yeah, the uh, a fan favourite for a very long time, obviously will be known forever as a, a Roman hero, scoring the famous last-minute header against uh, Barcelona in the Champions League last couple of seasons ago now, which put them through to the semi-final. Um, he's a big signing for them. They, he forms what could be one of the strongest centre-back pairings in the world alongside um, Kualabi. For Napoli. But, yeah, I've said it time and time again against Napoli. I actually hate Napoli. They're my least favourite team in Italy. They're the only team that has actually got the playing roster to compete with Juventus, and every year they fail without 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 any kind of help. And it's you know what's annoying is, is that, like, no one – they just don't bother. I feel like they just drop off. Well, it's Napoli. It's let's, uh, hang on. Let's, let's, let's acknowledge something here. This is Napoli we're talking about. It's not exactly the most. Pleasant, true. It's not exactly the most pleasant city to go to. To go to, and I've been through Napoli. <laughs> there, there's, there is nothing nice about the city at all. Yes, it's the home of pizza, but that's about all they've got at the moment. The only time people ever talk about Napoli is when they pass through to go visit Vesuvius because they go on to a real nice town in Sorrento, which is about uh, a further 10 minutes down the road. Yes. A genuine Italian town. And before I get, um, before I start having people attacking me from the rest of Italy at the moment, because uh, I've had the temerity to slam the majority of central <laughs> Italy, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we'll go through the Bundesliga and then we'll go through the financial fair play. This is Splinters, the bench podcast on uh, Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming live on the web at triplehfm.com.au you and available through iTunes, Google Play, Spotify and podcast.com. We'll be right back. It's time to hit the ice. This Saturday, the 24th of August, your Sydney Bears wrap up their home season for 2019 with Fan Appreciation Night as they look to send the Adelaide Adrenaline home on a low note in the Australian Ice Hockey League at the Macquarie Ice Rink, Macquarie Centre, North Ride. Tickets start at just $25 for adults and $12 for kids with children under five free. Save time and book online at bearsden.com.au or pay at the gate. Sydney Bears, hear us roar. Sponsors of Triple H. And welcome back to Splinters, the bench podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming live on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available through iTunes, Google Play, Spotify and podcast.com. Of course, we do it all for our good friends at the action attraction of the North Shore, Magpies Waitara and the all about caring Sydney Bears. Anthony Caruso and Dom Rizzuto, we're going to be jumping back on the train to go through our tour of Europe, previewing European football. We've just finished the Italian Serie A, Dom. We're going to now head off to 
the Rhineland. It is the German Bundesliga. And out of all the competitions, this could arguably be the most open competition of all the main European competitions. Yeah, um, it started to open up uh, this season. Borussia Dortmund and their young, exuberant side really pushed Bayern Munich all the way and just bottled it at the end, unfortunately. We almost had a new German champion, uh, but wasn't to be. Can it be this year? Most likely, because there's been some massive changes in the capital uh, with Bayern Munich that are a real changing of the guard for Bayern this season. It'll be interesting to see how Dortmund compete with that. And again, Dortmund actually, funnily enough, with this side of quality youngsters in it, have managed to sort of keep them uh, away, you know, and hidden. And no one's come to purchase them. It's very interesting. Well, let's go through it because Bayern Munich has now started their uh, their transition away from their uh, their golden generation yep. of players. And what a na- list of names that have been, that are leaving the club over the summer. So here we go. Mats Hummel has gone to Borussia Dortmund. Frank Ribery has been released. Ian Robin, the the big Dutch diver, mm-hmm. um, has retired. James Rodriguez, he's returned back to Real Madrid after the completion of his loan period. And Jong Woo Jung, the Korean striker, is off to um, SC Freiburg. Yep, off to Freiburg and never really had much of a run in for the uh German champions, but what a what what a list of names to, to to finally depart from Munich. Yeah, it's an interesting one. They've lost a lot of players. Um, who's going to line up at the back for them? Is obviously, my big question. First of all, obviously they'll have they'll have Kimmich and Alaba at uh, in your fullback positions. But who lines up at centre back? Oh, and who's going to be providing um, service? to the last remaining player of that golden generation in uh, Robert Lewandowski. Yeah, I'm not, I really don't know. You've got, obviously, Thiago Alcantara, who's still there. Arturo, Arturo Vidal. Is Barcelona now? Yeah, Tolisso, who's in there at Sky as well. Serge Nabry will probably provide the width and what will be, we expect, uh, Leroy Sané. At some point, um, will we'll provide width. They've got some some very young, talented players as Bayern Munich side, but it'll be a real transition period for them, no doubt about it. Now they've only made one significant signing, a decent one, Luca Hernandez, uh, who's joined from Atletico Madrid. Uh, but is it enough? Yeah, look, he'll uh, again, he'll be very strong uh, in regards to giving them that defensive edge. Of course, they'll have Manuel Neuer in goals. Still got Thomas Muller up front, who's very, very strong. But again, you know, Kingsley Coman, again, will provide a brilliant threat going forward. And Benjamin Pavard was a big signing last season as well. So they've got – what they do have is they have some fantastic depth when it comes to defence. Leon Goretzka will provide, obviously, that box-to-box from midfielder position. But still, the, the, the challenge I'm seeing at the moment from that lineup is someone to provide some service to Lewandowski. And at this point, I still don't see it. I don't. Unless uh, – <laughs> Sapreet Singh, the former Wellington Phoenix oh, midfielder, yes. who actually had been given a game during some of the friendlies they've had uh, these last couple of uh, these last couple of weeks, and reason we can say I doubt it very much. But yeah, there's some real, there might be some real issues when it comes to creativity in this side. But what they have is a lot of speed, a lot of youthful exuberance, very very good backline defensively. Will be very strong, one of the best goalkeepers in the world. Hasn't really hit his stride since coming back from injury, but we know how good he can be. 
Roger Dorman, are they on the rise at the moment? Because they've picked up Hummels, Julian Brandt from Bayer Leverkusen, and Torgan Hazard from Borussia Mönchengladbach. Yeah, big signings for them. Obviously, Hummels returns home. We're coming back to uh, hold that line in the in the mid in the middle of the defensive line. Julian Brandt, an excellent left wing player. Um, has been one of Bayer Leverkusen's best for a very long time. Where he fits into the side, I don't know for sure. They've got a lot of talented wingers. Uh, Barish, uh, sorry, Barish Dorman. Talking Hazard, well, look, he'll, he'll, you know, trying to fill the role of his older brother, Eden Hazard, much of, much for likeness. Doesn't have quite the same uh, elegancy as his older brother, but he's still a very talented player in his own right. And he's finally, and if he's going to become a stronger player, he, it'll be playing in... The in the yellow. The, the question we've got is who can make a run outside of these two clubs? I mean, we've got uh, RP Leipzig, who were the surprise package last year. They finished a very credible third. Yep. Uh, they picked up Hans Wolf from um, RB Salzburg and Adamola Lookman from Everton, which was just announced last week. Yeah, great signing, I think, for Adamola Lookman. Is. He's a brilliant young talent. Uh, I'm not too familiar with Hans Wolf. Uh, it's interesting to see that they've signed him from another Red Bull side. Yeah. Um, something that I'm not particularly a fan of, owning two teams inside the same continent, inside the same sort of playing jurisdiction. Well, we, we know that uh, Red Bull love to diversify their interests. We've seen it not only from their drinks, but then moving into Formula One, for example. Absolutely. So, and don't be surprised if they then start doing it in um, in other sports like basketball, I believe, as well. Well, eventually, I'm sure so, they'll take over the world. Oh, Disney of sport. Well, let's uh, from Germany... Who do, you, who, do you, who do you tip for uh, Germany? And we need to get a tip for Italy. It, we'll go do Italy first. Juventus, do you think will win the game? Absolutely. Do, does the gap narrow? No, I still think right now, until the likes of Ronaldo goes, uh, that gap will remain to be seen. And Germany? Oh, I can't look past Bayern Munich again. I know Dortmund have a very talented squad. They'll push them all the way, but it's just something about Bayern Munich. They have that Juventus factor where they just make the other smaller minnows fear them and they can pick up cheap points and cheap goals uh, against those smallest outfits. Now, let's talk to one of the big uh, issues facing football at the moment, especially throughout Europe. It is the UEFA financial fair play. Established to prevent professional football clubs spending more than they earn the pursuit of success and in doing so, getting into financial problems which might threaten their long-term survival. Um, Created, agreed in principle in September 2009 and officially uh, implemented in 2011-12. This, of course, came out from a couple of issues that happened in particular in England involving two particular clubs that everyone will be very familiar with, one of them being Leeds United and the other one being uh, Portsmouth. Yes. As I mentioned before, both sides, um, well, one of them still hasn't returned. (laughs) They're there, but they're struggling way down in the... League Two these days. Leeds obviously got some new owners in, bailed them out of trouble, and are now well on their way to, you know, arguably probably should have been playing in the Premier League this year had they not bottled it against Derby. So, yeah, this is what they're doing. That's part of it as well. It's to stop that from, you know, happening. But they've hit, the problem is they've hit, we'll get into a little bit more detail. Actually, we'll get into what my theory is about the FFB a little bit later on. Let's talk a bit more about the basics. Yeah, absolutely. So, the way it works is that uh, from time to time, clubs need to commit to an audit around player transfers, players in versus players out. They're not so much worried about a particular one particular transfer windows, but when it's a consistent um, 
situation where they're spending more money than they're they're bringing in. They get investigated and there's been questions about whether this actually is effective. Yes. Now, we've seen it, for example, with Manchester City uh, quite recently, the money that they've been spending to bring in players. Uh, they, They do try and take care of it, though, after the fact by putting a lot of players out on loan to recuperate some of the, the, the cost. But is it really enough? Now, cre- creation of a big status quo is one of the big criticisms of FPP. And, yeah, there was an article by Martin Samuel back in 2011, uh, 2010-11 saying that Manchester City recorded uh, recording of a £194 million loss. Yes, you heard me right, ladies and gentlemen. £194 million loss was justified to get lucrative Champions League football before the door closes. Um, the idea that Manchester City spent big to try and bridge the gap to the big clubs and try and make the Premier League um, competitive. Now, is that worthwhile? It's a big risk to pull, and they're still chasing their tails to a certain extent. They are in a way. A lot of people and a lot of teams are now really putting pressure on UEFA to punish Manchester City. We've seen it with Chelsea this year. They've been done for uh, various other things, not so much FFP, but for other transfer bans. It, it's difficult. And this is, the position that UEFA's in is very unfortunate, and it's somewhat died down in recent times, but it was the it's the threat that these bigger clubs can go off and form their own league, these super leagues. Yeah. And if they're getting punished for spending loads of money, they're going to do that. They're like, okay, well, you're going to spend loads of money. We're going to get all my mates, all my big boys, and we're going to go form some superpower league, which will dominate the market and no one else will watch anything else. Um, that's where I think teams are like the, the lawmakers are finding it really hard to put this, put the, put the offence in motion because of the pressure they have of not upsetting anyone and playing politics and all that sort of stuff. And Manchester City, you know, they're under severe, severe scrutiny from, you know, many, many different angles. When it might come about, who knows? Well, let's go. We're going to stick with the theme around Manchester City, but this is then not going to extend now to Paris Saint-Germain because it's a question around what you call questionable sponsorship deals and in particular uh, sponsorship deals. And I do use sponsorship deals in inverted commas where the sponsor is actually the owner of the club. Now, with Manchester City, of course, it is um, the... City Sports Group, which is um, owned by the Abu Dhabi Investment Group, and you've got PSG's deal with the Qatari Investment Group. Um, you know these are under review at the moment, but they're, they're, they're technically receiving a sponsorship, but the sponsorship is actually the owner. Absolutely. Similar to what say you have with a Leicester City, who have King Power, who not only sponsor them, have the name rights to the stadium, and owns. The club, yes. So. Well, you know, it's just difficult for Paris Saint-Germain because you know they're owned by a country, so <laughs> it's it's quite hard for them to you know hide the fact that uh, you know they they have the money to spend on players, but they're never losing any money technically because the owners are so rich. I'm sure they'll have ways of making it look like they're not really losing that much money. And again, they're another club. They bought in Neymar. They bought in Mbappe. And everyone said, "Fight fair play." They're not making the money back, but the rule—they've never been punished for it. And once again, we move on 
and they continue to play football and dominate the French market. Here's, here's a fun one for, for you, ladies and gentlemen. Third-party ownership of players. Now, under this model, companies or wealthy individuals, they buy a percentage of a particular player in the hope that if his value increases in the future, they'll make a profit based on their percentages. Now, the first instance of this ever actually happening in football in Europe was actually at West Ham United um, and was caused by two players that we all know uh, very well, Carlos Tevez and and Javier Mascarano, uh, both being owned by technically by third parties. We're now starting to see this happen more and more where a club will sell a player to another club but will retain some sort of ownership. So if they get sold off, if they get sold later on, that original club gets a share of that sale yep. as well. Yeah, it's uh, it's very common nowadays. Um, but in, in certain, for those who are worried about you know the third party ownership and the, just like third party of the frightens people, it's not uh, you know sponsors or other random companies coming out and buying a share in that player. It's from the club who, who previously owned them, and then they have a, it's usually in the contract when they sell them. They say, look. We'll give them to you, but if you sell them on, we get this percentage of the fee. And we've seen it quite a, happen quite a bit. I think the, I think what was the what was the, one of the biggest biggest ones they tried to claim? It might have actually been um, Neymar going to um, Paris Saint Germain because his original club in Brazil, yep, still had a third party deal yep. agreement with yep, him. Yep, 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 yep. Um, they probably got third party agreements with him. No matter where he goes, <laughs> they need to make as much money as they can from him. Now, charity, you've then got the question around charity and solidarity payments. This one becomes very, very dangerous um, to go through. Premier League clubs pay a total of £167.2 million to various causes, including 62 to recently relegated clubs in the form of um, parachute payments, um, solidarity payments, Referees, assistant referees, and third third party payments for players who assist with with the um, to cover the cost of players helping out with some of these charity organisations. It's there meant to be a good cause for a good cause to help to help them along the way, but there are rumours as well at the moment that this is now being exploited to cover issues around how much they get paid in wages. Lots of money, football players in a league full of, you know, rich people, corruption involving charities. Come on. What? No. Oh, who would have thought? Why would have thought? Exactly. Idiots. So. <laughs> what it, a stupid idea that is. It's it's just... It just opens the door for the for the abuse to really come out yes. to come out from this. The history that we've seen from the financial fair play penalties, and they are behind by a couple of years because of the very nature of the way that the audits occur. Yeah. The first line of penalties were announced in 2012 for penalties that occurred back in 2010-11 up until 2012. So they are usually a couple of years behind. Um, not a lot of known clubs that came out in the first line of punishments and these were more warnings more than anything else yeah. but there were two names for clubs that were targeted three names I should say who got hit uh, with warnings to start off with Sporting Lisbon in Portugal Atletico Madrid in Spain and Fenerbahce in Turkey Atletico Madrid in particular was around that initial signing of a very young Antoine Griezmann, mm-hmm. 
and Diego Costa returning from Chelsea for the second time. That's right. They did. So I think that may have even been around the time that Fernando Torres possibly returned to um, Atletico Madrid. It wouldn't surprise me that you know Atletico Madrid have made uh, you know some astute signings, you know spent overs to bring players back, and obviously they don't have the fan base like their cross town rivals or Barcelona. You know when they bring players in, they don't have, they can't make the sale back through shirt sales as much as 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 easy as the other two clubs can. So that's where they get fine, and this is where there's a little bit of. A little bit of where it really goes wrong, the FFP, where it really it doesn't really punish the big clubs because a lot of the big clubs with big markets can just sell, like Juventus, for example, made back the Ronaldo uh, signing in sales of shirts. Oh, absolutely. So, right. like, you know, that's that's where it's a little bit difficult, you know. Then we go through to 2014, 2013-14, uh, and there were punishments now starting to be handed out. Some of them were... Not really that big, but certainly the clubs that were affected were significant. So Galatasaray, 200,000 um, euro fine, a one-year squad salary restrictions. That's not really a big deal for a club like Galatasaray. Yeah. Uh, then we get to the three big ones that occurred. Zenit St. Petersburg, a 12 million euro fine, 6 million, 6 million euros suspended. Their squad was reduced to 22 players and their transfer spending restrictions and two-year squad salary restrictions. That actually occurred under a, uh, a good friend that uh, Australians would know very well for being, um, some would say, a bit of a snake in um, Dick Advocat. Yes. <laughs> There's a blast from the past. Uh, and it couldn't have happened to a nicer guy. <laughs> Absolutely. The next club that got pinged, and no surprise that they got hit with this, Paris Saint-Germain, uh, a 60 million euro fine, 40 million euros of that suspended, squad reduced to 21 players, and they had the, res- the transfer spending restrictions and two-year squad salary restrictions. Um Manchester City, that same, caught the same punishment that same year as well. Now, Paris Saint-Germain was them picking up um, Mbappe from his, from I believe it was his um, juniors out at, um, out at Monaco. Mm, yeah, so. it's, uh, it's, I don't know, and he was like I said, they, they bought him in on very dodgy terms in the first place with a loan. Within the bar, and then to, to pay, and then I, everyone was like, "How do you bring him in on that price?" And then they brought him in, and it was like two hundred million or something like that. Yeah, something ridiculous. It's just like unbelievable. So Manchester yeah. City, absolutely no surprise that they that they got. No, no, look, especially under before before Pep Guardiola came in, that was when they were really they spent a lot of money yeah. doing that squad. And it was bound to happen. Twenty fourteen. 2014 15, uh, Astana, a 2 million euro of which 1.5 million euros were suspended. Their squad reduced to 22 players. Of course, Astana, the big club out of Kazakhstan. Normally, you think of a joke of a club, but Astana is is a club that is on the rise. Yep. So you could see, you'll see them competing in Europe before you know it. Um, Dinamo Zagreb, a very small punishment. The two, the big one that year was Fenerbahce. I think. That might have been the second time that uh, yeah, the second time that Fenerbahce was um, suspended. They copped a fairly hefty um, penalty for this. They had a transfer spending restriction require to reach a defined employee benefit expense to revenue ratio, 
and had to break even in 2019. Now, the fact that they were told that they had to break even this year is probably the most difficult component to actually deal with from FFP if you want to be a competitive club. Yeah, it is. It's difficult because obviously you need to bring players in to be strong. But if you at the same time, it's like this is where it's, it's wrong because the big clubs can get away with it because they can afford to earn the money back. Whereas little clubs though who don't have the fan base still being a strong player, they can't make it back. So this is where it's this is where it's broken. It's very broken. Let's talk about the big one that's happened already. AC Milan banned from Europe for a year. They spent a lot of money under their new owners, um, brought in a lot of players. Uh, not the thing is they didn't bring in players. They spent overs for players who just weren't that strong. Players that you didn't really know. You know, that's the kind of ridiculous business from the, the new owners. Um, and I expect, you know, they'll be under, you know, real, you know, probably a good thing for AC Milan as well in, in some ways that they'll be able to sort of not have to focus on a, on, a, on the Europa League and they can focus on rebuilding in the Serie A with a team of quite a young squad that they have. But the, here's, here's what I don't get. Here's what I don't get because AC Milan, in terms of the players that they actually bought, weren't actually, as you said, weren't actually that big. But the fact that it was – here we go. So there's already reports that to in order to get themselves back under, that they might have to sell their goalkeeper, Gianluigi Donnarumma, to PSG. He's too good for racing Milan at the moment, Donnarumma. He needs to go somewhere where he's playing consistent Champions League football if he wants to be – you know, ever fill the shoes that Buffon's about to leave for the Italian national team. And I believe that that's all, they have claimed a scout from it because Gennaro Gattuso, the coach, has lost his job as a result of this. Yes, he has. Yeah. So it's a huge, huge punishment to receive from, from, from that. So, yes, you heard right, ladies and gentlemen, AC Milan banned from Europe. Their position was taken by Torino. Um, now, everyone would then now be asking, well, what the hell then happened with the punishment that was handed down to Barcelona. Now, what people don't realise is that it was that punishment was not actually handed down by UEFA, but was actually handed down by FIFA. Yes, and it's somewhat similar to Chelsea. It's to do with the acquisition and player movement of teenage football players. Because they, they've, they've gone through this process where they, they initially transfer them on a, on a loan, it's a massive loan. And they're going, well, how, how on earth are you pay for it? Where are you going to go for it? And then a couple of years later, they announce, oh, yeah, by the way, we've, uh, we've now signed them full time. Yeah. And then it would be combined with a third-party um, ownership potentially. So you're going to see the managers then pushing inflated price and after inflated price to the point where it just ends up being a, um, an absolute schmozzle because you're going to have money flying left, yep. right and centre and Barcelona ending up looking like more of a player agent for these under-18s. Exactly right. So the, the punishment that they received was absolutely – because if you remember, <sighs> that the, the, well, it was a one-year ban, but – what happened? They can what still sign players. They can still negotiate. They can still negotiate. They can still sign players. But then UEFA finally, of course, got their own back on, on them when they announced the signing because they'd already had um, Lino Messi. They already had um, Luis Suarez. They then violated FFP back in 2017 when they signed, originally signed Neymar. And UEFA and FIFA combined turned around and said, as a result, you are banned 
from the next three transfer windows. Well, not only that, they they lied. <laughs> they, yeah. they they gave a price of around however much it was at the time. It was actually like 20, 30 million less of what it actually was. Yeah. <laughs> like, how do you get, you're not going to get away with that sort of stuff. I just don't know who's in there. Our head office went, you know, it'd be a good idea. Let's not just miss by like a little bit. Let's miss by the whole margin. Exactly. And, but for a club like Barcelona, they don't care because there's two things that are going to happen. One, they're going to sell jerseys mm-hmm. and especially the sales that they had in Suarez and in Neymar jersey and still with Messi and still with Messi. But the second challenge that they had was them saying that you're not allowed to buy players, you're not allowed to sell players, you can only bring players up through through your academy. So what did they do? They then engaged in this behavior once again with the under eighteens. So they bring in players up out of out of the out through the academy, bind them through there, and basically say, "Oh yeah, they're going to be uh, they're going to be eventually full time players." Well, hang on a second. Mm-hmm. Where does this come from? Yeah. Like, yep. So, so ladies and gentlemen, the financial fair play has been brought in to try and ensure the clubs don't overspend on the competition. We've seen clubs get. Punish for it. Who are the who do you, in your mind are probably the five clubs that are now going to be under immense scrutiny under financial fair play? Manchester City once again. Um, that's in particularly this year they're under investigation again. Uh, PSG have dumbed down their spending and they are looking to you know as we said shift a few of their players. Um, you've got to look at you know sides like. You know, Inter and AC bringing in players, and we've seen AC Milan get pinged. Barcelona, you always got to watch out for Atletico Madrid, but it's not really. They're all sort of behaving a little bit now. They're starting now, to now, that, now that they've seen that the big clubs are actually getting punished. Exactly right. Um, a, a few people have said Juventus. But no, it has to be said they're no. probably one of the most astute clubs in terms of their purchases. The, I say astute, they are the best at astute signings. They are without a doubt the best. Who brings in Aaron Ramsey on a free transfer? Who signs Cristiano Ronaldo with the modelling that they expect to sell a certain number of jersey sales and actually exceed yep. that target? And then bring in the best young defender in the world for a reasonable price. <laughs> very, a very reasonable price. Yeah. For those of you who don't know who the the impact of selling jerseys, just just compare it to when Alessandro Del Piero came to Sydney FC. They paid him one point four million dollars a year plus twenty dollars for every Sydney FC Del Piero jersey that they sold. Do you know, do you know how many they sold in the first year? Forty thousand jerseys. That's crazy. Now Sydney FC don't care because yeah. they've just paid for his transfer. And his salary for the year in the uh, in the jersey sales. So that really does show the power that if you can get your spending right, you can actually cover your cover your backside from the financial fair play. If you don't get it right, UEFA are actually out to get you. And it's good to see that UEFA are actually bearing their teeth on this because we all know how toothless um, FIFA is and stuff like this. Exactly right. So. Exactly right. Ladies and gentlemen, that is full time here on Splinters. I want to thank Dom Rosetto for joining us once again here. And uh, what a what a discussion it's been and what a fascinating year of European football we've got coming up, especially considering that in just a, in just under a year's time, it will be Euro 2020. It will. There's so much uh, football ahead. We've got Champions League, I'm sure we'll discuss down the line. It all kicks off so very, very soon. 
I can't wait for it to get started. Absolutely. So make sure you join us uh, next week. We've got our special with um, Jake Cohen joining us here on Splinters, the Bench podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming live on the web at triplehfm.com.au, available through iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and podcast.com. Of course, we do this for our good friends at the Action Attraction of the North Shore Magpies Waitara and the All About Caring Sydney Bears. That's Dom Rizzuto. I'm Anthony Caruso. Good night. Good night.